Um, you know, I know it's not a story that has anything to do with our church or anybody in our church, but when I saw that story and I watched that testimony, um, my heart just came alive. And, um, and I knew it was, number one, something the Lord wanted us to see, but number two, you know, there's always a spirit behind a story, okay? And the spirit behind that story is a spirit of uh, this word that I'm going to preach from today as we finish out our series, Finish, and uh, I'm calling it wholehearted, okay? And if you're taking notes, you can write down that word, wholehearted. There's a, there's a level from the place where we are just casual church attenders, casual believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, from that place to a different place where we go, all right, Jesus is my realtor. Does that make sense? Where Jesus becomes and the Holy Spirit becomes the guiding, directing force of my life. And, um, you know, if I've been really, if I'm really honest with you, I've been really kind of fighting this question in my heart over probably the last few years. And uh, I think it has a lot to do with the church and, and our call as a church and our anointing as a church. But this question of what does a Jesus follower look like? Not, not what a Christian looks like. I don't like this word Christian anymore, to be honest with you. I think it's just overplayed and overused, and it's just, uh, it's just a common word. And if you, you know, if you do Barna studies, Barna did a study and asked, you know, gosh, I think it was 100,000 Americans, do you believe you're a Christian? And 83% of them said yes. 83% of 1,000 people in America said, yes, I believe I'm a Christian. Because it's just a word that we believe that if I believe in God or if I believe in some kind of form of God or if I believe in Jesus in any way, shape, or form that I'm a Christian. But the reality is when Jesus came on this scene, and the first thing that you see in the New Testament is Jesus going up to these guys and he says these key words, come follow me. He doesn't say, hey, do you want to be a Christian? Hey, do you want to be a part of this cool new religious program that I'm starting called Following Jesus? You know what I mean? He says, no, will you come follow me? And what's so interesting is that over and over again in the New Testament, you can see these disciples leaving everything at a moment's notice. Leaving homes, leaving families, leaving jobs, leaving friends to do what? Literally follow Jesus. Jesus would walk somewhere and they would follow. Jesus would go heal somebody, and they would follow. Wherever Jesus was going that morning, they were literally following Jesus, okay? This in the New Testament is a precursor to what? The Holy Spirit that's about to come in Acts chapter 4, where the Holy Spirit takes the place as Jesus in our hearts, and we now go, Holy Spirit, where are we going today? What's the plan? What do we want to do? What do you want to do, Lord? You know, church in 2017 is really um, more about amenities. It's really almost like a health club, you know what I mean? It's like every church is like, look at our cool amenities that we have, you know what I mean? And, you know, look at everything we have for your family. And it's like, it's almost like a bidding war almost in the church world of like, how are we going to outbid this church to get this person to come to our church? And how are we going to give them more membership, you know, amenities so that they like our church over this church? And we've totally lost sight of this thought of, is Jesus there? Is the Holy Spirit there? 
Is my family going to grow there? Are my kids going to become and look like Jesus someday because of this church? But really, it's about, man, they have a really nice lobby, and they make awesome lattes, and they're super great, and I love their lattes. And, gosh, you know, just kind of, they use whole milk, and, you know, whole milk's better, you know. And so, you know what I mean? And so I've been asking Jesus. I repeatedly ask him, what what does Elevate look like? What does Elevate look like 10 years from now? If we think it's bad now, in 2017, what's it like 10 years from now? What's it like 20 years from now? Jesus, what does Elevate look like 20 years from now? What does it look like when my kids, your kids, grow up someday? What does the world look like? What does our church look like? This word just keeps popping in my heart, this word wholehearted. And it really is the greatest desire of my life. Nothing grieves my heart more, anything, than moments when I feel like I'm not following the Holy Spirit. Moments that I feel like I am not wholeheartedly in tune with the Holy Spirit and I make a misstep. And it can be simple things. You know, I was sharing this morning um, with my family um, yesterday, uh, Michael had basketball tryouts, and he did phenomenal. And uh, we're actually going to pray over that kid. He hurt his knee at practice uh, tryouts yesterday. We're going to pray over him uh, after service. Um, but um, we decided, hey, let's have some fun. Let's go together. Let's go to our favorite family restaurant. Like our favorite family restaurant, 110% is hibachi. Okay, I love, if you've never been to hibachi, go to hibachi. It's fantastic. I love it. I love fried rice. I could eat like 40 pounds of it, to be honest with you, okay? And I'm like, put more butter, more butter, more butter, more butter, okay? I'm going to have a heart attack right now. But I love hibachi, okay? And so we go to hibachi, and we get this new, it's a new cook, and I know it's a new cook, and Um, because their hats, like, represent different, like, levels. And I know he's, like, a starter guy, and and he cooks our food and basically burns everything. I mean, just to be honest with you, I mean, like, everything was burnt, and I was just starving. I'm like, ah, it's okay. But I got upset in my flesh, and I was like, this is not cool. Like, this is, you know, a big deal to me and my family to, like, make this step to go to hibachi. Like, this is, like, our, you know, thing as a family, and I got mad, and I got upset, and I was like, Jess, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the manager, and as soon as I said that, it's something in my heart was like, don't do that, don't do that, and Jess, you know, listen, you got to understand, she is like uh, Captain Peace of the world, you know what I mean, she doesn't want to ruffle any feather in the world, like she will never, you know, outside of being under the presence of the Holy Spirit on stage, she will never speak an ill word to you. You know what I mean? She is always going to love you. And, and she goes, she goes, no way. I'm out of here. Literally takes Luke and Ben and walks out. You know what I mean? So the manager comes and, um, and he was like, is everything all right? And I was like, no. I was like, my food was burnt. My wife's food was burnt. My kid's food was burnt. It was all burnt. And he goes, okay, just give me a second. He walks away, and like four minutes later, he comes back with the chef. And he's like, can you explain to the chef everything that he did wrong? And I was like, I got home, 
and I prayed, and I said, Lord, what, what is it? Because it just tore me up. He said, money's not worth that much, son. It's just money. Who cares if he messed it up? There are people in other worlds, in other countries, that would die for that meal. But you got upset about that, son. And it may be really stupid to you, but this is the call of my life. I want to be wholehearted to Jesus and submitted to him in any way, shape, or form in my life. I don't care if it's a meal. Or if it's meeting somebody on the street, I want to be wholehearted. And that is what I want to raise up. I want to raise up a, a culture that is cool and is fun and is exciting. And let me tell you, next weekend, um, man, we're going to have a lot of fun. It's Mother's Day, and we're going to have pictures for all the moms. You guys can have pictures with all your families, and we got special gifts, and we're going to have special food, and, and we're going to have an awesome, awesome Sunday. And by the way, next Saturday, men, we're paintballing. I mean, I can't wait to shoot Matt with a paintball gun. Matt and Levi, I mean, I've been waiting for this. But I want to have fun, and I want church to be cool. But I will not, I refuse to build a culture that is not wholehearted for Jesus, 100%. Um, you can play that video. I'll, I'll kind of talk over it. Um, yeah. I'm going to show you uh, this little video. Um, this is my uncle. This is like my dad, okay? And um, this is my brother's little girl, Kenley, and she's just as cute as ever, okay? And um, they're making, it's called cocoa rolls. Anybody ever had cocoa rolls? All right, my, grand, my, my dad grew up in Arkansas. He calls it Arkansas food, okay? And so uh, my brother posted this video of him um, showing Kenley how to make cocoa rolls. And, um, like, right away it just reminded me of, like, when I was little, um, making cocoa rolls in the kitchen, like us doing this together. This was like a family thing um, that we would do uh, together. And, um, and I just, you know, I love, he's just patient and lets Kenley get it all over the place. And I just, just a great grandpa, you know, and you can go ahead and stop it. And, um, and I saw that video and, um, you know, to be honest with you, uh, right away, it made me think about all the things sometimes that I've let go to follow Jesus. You know, I, I see my family probably once or twice a year, and um, my boys love seeing uh, my family. They don't see them a lot. And, and, um, and I, just, I just had this moment. I was looking at this video, and I thought, you know what? My, my boys are never going to cook cocoa rolls. And the reason is because the call that's on our life to follow Jesus, to put our hand to the plow and to not look back. And that can be difficult sometimes in life, but I can promise you this, when you live a life that's wholehearted for Jesus, it's the most rewarding thing in your life. Every Sunday that we come in here and, and I see all of you worshiping Jesus wholeheartedly and loving Jesus and the fact that we get to be your pastor 
It's always worth it. It's always worth it. So go with me if you got a Bible. Um, please bring out your Bible or you can pull out your phone. Um, we're going to look at a couple passages today. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, uh, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 9. Um, if you don't have a Bible, uh, it'll be on the screen uh, for you uh, this morning. Um, Matthew uh, chapter 19. Um, now, both of these stories, I can tell you, don't deal with grace or forgiveness or victory or life. And, um, and you know, I just wrote in my notes that, you know, I want to be a church that gets excited about grace and victory in life, but I also want to be a church that gets excited about being obedient to Jesus. Amen? I want to have people that are, that are okay with that and just as excited about that. And so Matthew chapter 19, uh, verse 16, uh, says this. Someone came to Jesus with this question. He said, teacher, what good deeds must I do to have eternal life? And isn't that just like the crux of life? You know, we're always like, okay, God, what do I got to do? You know? Well, what's the list? What's the task? What's the chores? What are these things that I got to do to find eternal life and to go to heaven with you? And isn't that just always the question when you talk to somebody who isn't a believer and you're talking to them about Jesus? Like, it kind of always, like, boils down to, like, okay, what do I got to do? You know what I mean? Like, what do I got to give up? You know what I mean? Like, what, what am I going to have to commit to, you know? And this is the question Jesus responds to me, he says, replies, he says, there's only one who is good. Jesus is going, listen, I'm the one that's good. Nobody else is good. I'm good. All goodness comes and flows through me. But he says, if you want to receive eternal life, you must keep the commandments. And then he says, well, which one? You know what I mean? Like kind of perks up like, okay, I'm probably pretty good at keeping some tasks and some commandments. He says, which one? Jesus replies, uh, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and your mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And in verse 20, he says, I've obeyed all of these. Almost like, you know, um, I don't know if you went to uh, children's church growing up um, or Sunday school growing up, and you would get like gold stars, you know what I mean, for, like remembering verses or having your Bible, or if, like, you know, if I actually wore a tie that Sunday, I think I got like an extra, you know, I'd always rip it off somehow, you know, or whatever. But you'd get these golden stars, you know what I mean? It's almost like this guy's like, listen, look at my badge. Look at my badge of all my golden, you know, uh, Sunday school stars. I'm doing it all. I'm following you, Jesus. I, listen, we got you. But then he goes, what else must I do? Because he's like, he's like, listen, there's got to be a little bit more. So help me understand, what else must I do? And Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all of your possessions, all of your money, and give it to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And then these are the key words. Then he says this, then come follow me. Come follow me. Jesus never stayed in one place. You, you ever see that in the Bible? Like he's only at one place for a few days, and then all of a sudden people are like, no, stay, be our, be our teacher, be our leader, be our, you know, be our king. And he's like, no, I got to go. I got to go spread the gospel somewhere else. There's other people to heal. I got to go. And so he says, come follow me. In verse, verse 22, it says this, the young man heard this, and he was sad, for he had many possessions. You know, the story is really a story of mankind. And it's really a story of mankind's heart. 
And mankind's heart says this, what do I got to do to go to heaven without relationship and obedience? There's got to be a way. And we see this all around the world. We see religious systems and we see religious churches that go, okay, let's, let's do these rituals. Let's do, you know, these segments of things and, and you'll be good. And God will take care of you someday. Because man always wants to be in control, correct? We always want to be in control of this relationship. The thought of going, I'm giving control to somebody I can't see, I can't touch, I can't feel, I can't meet at Starbucks. We can't go get the unicorn drink at Starbucks together, you know what I mean? Like, like we don't like this idea. We want to be in control of everything. And the idea of giving control to somebody else and saying, I wholeheartedly follow you and I'm going to be obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit is such a crazy thought. He says, come follow me. Again, verse 22 says, when he heard this, he was sad because he had many possessions. Okay? There's, there's two things about the possessions, okay? I think I'm going to trip you out on this, okay? The first thing is this. Why did the possessions have to go, okay? The possessions had to go so that he could follow Jesus. I mean, what's he going to do? I mean, is he going to get like a thousand camels in the biggest trailer ever and put all of his possessions on it and, you know, somehow try to keep up with Jesus carrying all of his stuff? To follow Jesus meant you didn't know where you were going to sleep. You didn't know where you were going to eat. You didn't know what we were going to do tomorrow. So how can you hold on to all this stuff and follow Jesus at the same time? And sometimes when we're in this, in this season of following the Lord, sometimes we realize how attached I am to the stuff, how attached I am to the possession. Anytime there's a possession in our life that is worth more than following Jesus, we have an issue. We got a problem. We got a heart issue. Because all of a sudden, you've crossed from this place. Listen, the, the issue wasn't the stuff, okay? So we think, okay, like Jesus said, hey, um, if you want to be perfect, then sell all of your stuff and give all your money to the poor. So we all have this theology that God wants us to have nothing, and he wants us to give everything to the poor. If we're going to be godly and we're going to be good, then we're going to be poor and, and serve Jesus. No, that wasn't the issue. Because here, let me show you this, okay? Matthew chapter 19, verse 23, right afterwards, Jesus said to the disciples, I'll tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. But verse 25, the disciples said to Jesus, then who in the world can be saved? So obviously the disciples had some money, right? Disciples are looking at this rich guy and they're not seeing a real difference, are they? They're going, if he can't enter the kingdom of God, then how are we going to enter the kingdom of God? So we have this perspective that the disciples and Jesus had no money and they were destitute and they were poor. And because they were poor and they were destitute, they were more holy and more righteous than everybody else. No, listen, Jesus can't do ministry for three years unless he's got some money, people. Okay? 
The issue is this, is that the possessions were his God. He already had a God. Possessions. All of his stuff. That was the issue. The issue wasn't the possessions. Like, Jesus is never worried about me and you having stuff, ever. I mean, I want to kill that thought right now. He wants you blessed. Blessed, 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 blessed. I believe it 100%, and we talk about this all the time. I'm not blessed to be blessed just for me. I'm blessed to be a conduit. Okay? I love that. I'm a conduit of the goodness of God. I'm a conduit of the blessing and the favor of God. God puts more blessing and more favor on my life, and guess what? I just get to give more. That's how, that's how the kingdom works. So God's not worried about that. What God is worried about is if that blessing and that stuff becomes more of a God than he is. All of a sudden, all my trust is in my home. All my trust is in my car. All of my trust is in my 401K. All of my trust is in that future day. All of it's in that day. And he's going, listen, where, who's your God? Who's God? Who has your heart? Does the possession have your heart? Because all of his trust, joy, peace, everything, because the Bible said he went away sad. Why did he go away sad? Because all of his joy was in the stuff. And to follow Jesus, because, oh my gosh, I, I love this, okay? It wasn't that he didn't have a desire. Do you get that? I mean, I need you to process that for a second. It wasn't that he didn't have a desire to follow Jesus. He had all the desire in the world. He sought out Jesus, okay? He found him. He was asking Jesus really good questions. It wasn't that he didn't have desire. It was this, is that really all of his hope, trust, peace, joy was in the possessions. And the moment that he realized that, and the moment that he realized he couldn't walk away from that, desire didn't matter anymore, right? How many times do we meet people that are like, man, I'm just fired up for Jesus, you know what I mean? I'm fired up for God, I'm fired up to worship, I'm fired up to, to see God's kingdom move, man, Jesus is good, how you doing, brother? And then as soon as the Lord goes, hey, come follow me, and I want you to do this, and I want you to be obedient here, and I want you to give up something here, they go, ooh, Oh, I don't know about that God. You know what I mean? Where's the God of more for me? You know, where's the God of more for my family? Where's the God of more? And, and we, it's, this is the struggle in man's heart. It's a struggle in my heart. It's a struggle in your heart. Our hearts are, are wicked and corrupt. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to direct us to overrule our heart. Make sense? Go with me to Luke chapter 9, okay? Luke chapter 9, um, verse 57. 57, verse 58, okay? Just flip over just a little bit here, okay? Luke chapter 9, verse 59. It says this. Uh, oh, 57. Sorry, we're starting 57. 57. It says this. As they were walking along, again, we see this pattern with Jesus. He's walking, okay? So, that means this, that every day of your life, God may say something new to you. He may say something new to you about your job, about your husband, your wife, your kids, a relationship, a friendship. He's going to say something new. 
okay? It's not about him not speaking. It's about us listening, okay? He's speaking, okay? And it says they were walking along, and someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go, okay? See those words? I will follow you wherever you go. Wherever, Jesus, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do, I'm here. I'm here to follow you. Okay, verse 58, Jesus replies this, he says, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to even lay his head. Do you ever have these moments when you're reading the Bible and you're like, really, Jesus? You know what I mean? Like, this is your response? You know, like, here's somebody like, you know, it's like Ryan come to me. He's like, man, Pastor Jeff, got your back. Love you. Wherever you go, we have you. And I'm like, cool, Ryan, love you, man. But man, foxes have dens and birds have nests. And, uh, Man, Pastor Jeff, they don't have anywhere to lay his head. You'd be like, dude, Pastor Jeff is weird, you know what I mean? Just be like, like, what the heck was that? Why are you talking about foxes? You want to go shoot one in my property? You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus' response is, like, strange at best. But what is Jesus really saying? He's saying this. You can't put all your trust in a house. You can't put all your trust in a bank account. You can't, I mean, come on, can we just be honest? You know what I mean? Like, maybe the economy is looking better now, but I can't promise you that 10 years from now it's going to keep looking like that. But I can tell you this, the kingdom of God isn't going to fail. His kingdom's not going to fail. Look, this world is going to get worse. I promise you that. But the kingdom of God isn't going to fail. And as long as I'm a part of the kingdom of God, I'm good. My family's good. We're, we're okay. Verse 59, another person comes to me and says, Jesus says, come follow me. Again, we see this words, come follow me. And the man agrees. And he says, Lord, first let me go home and bury my father. But Jesus' response is, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Like, really, Lord? Like, and you got to understand, in Jewish culture, for a son to fulfill this end of, of going home and taking care of his father's burial and making sure that his mother was okay, I mean, this is the law. I mean, this is, this is like as truth as truth gets. And Jesus goes, hey, let the spiritually dead bury the dead. <laughs> Again, you're like, like, Jesus. Like, do you ever read it and go, man, that's, like, really harsh? You know what I mean? Like, you ever had somebody pass away and then go, ah, who cares? Let, them, let the dead take care of the dead, you know? You'd be like, you're from the devil. You know what I mean? would be like, I rebuke you, you know? But this is what Jesus says. Jesus. What is Jesus really saying? He's saying there is no life in dead spiritual rituals. You can look for life in those things. You can look for life in religion, but you will never find life in religion. You will find life in following me and me alone. That is where the life is. You want to find life? 
Come follow me. You want to find yourself? Come follow me. There is this, you know, this prevailing thought in the world. Go find yourself. No, go find Jesus and you will find yourself. You will find your identity. You will find your purpose. You will find your joy. You'll find out why you're on the earth and then you get to fulfill why you're on the earth in Jesus' name. You will find it. Verse 61, another one said, Jesus, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said this, anyone puts his hand to the plow and then looks back isn't fit for the kingdom. It's almost like Jesus is drawing a line in the sand. He's going, listen, you want to follow me? Then you say goodbye to everybody and everything at this moment and this time. You cross that line, and as soon as you cross that line, you follow me. You follow me. Follow me. Wholehearted looks like this. Team, you guys can come on up. Wholehearted looks like this. I trust in Jesus. My life is in Jesus. And I'm faithful to Jesus. Let me write, let me give you that again. I trust in Jesus. That's where my trust is. My life is in Jesus, and then I am faithful to Jesus. You know what Jesus is saying to that man? He's saying, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. Let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. And if you're going to follow me, let your yes be yes, and then be faithful to the yes. Be faithful to the yes. Be faithful to me. Be faithful to my kingdom. Be faithful to hear my voice. Listen, none of this, none of this has anything to do outside of God going, I want you to live in victory. I want you to live in victory. I want you to live in life in every area of your life. Can I tell about Christian? Is that okay? They have a little boy, he's seven, his name's Christian. Awesome kid, love him, just He's just like one of those smiley kids, you know what I mean? Just like full of life kids. I'm like, I just want to throw you up in the air, you know what I mean? Like, just love it, love it. And for years, Christian was dealing with lots and lots of medical issues. And they couldn't figure it out, and they couldn't figure it out, and couldn't figure it out. And, and you, met, you said this line that night that we had dinner with you, and, and it, was, it was on, but, but I'm going to say in a way you misspoke it. She said, you know, she kept feeling this inward mom in, you know, inner thing that said, I need to get him allergy tested. Well, what is that? Is that really an inward mom thing, or is that the Holy Spirit? No, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was like, hey, listen, get him allergy tested. Get him allergy tested. Get him allergy tested. Get him allergy tested. Well, as soon as they got him allergy tested, they found out he was allergic to milk, and he was allergic to peanut butter, and he was allergic to all these different things. And as soon as they cut out all those things, guess what? The kid was well, and he was strong, and he was full of life. Do you get it? The Holy Spirit doesn't want to control your life to not to harm you. He wants to control your life to give you life. He wants to control it so you have victory. When the Holy Spirit speaks, it's not to hurt you. He wanted that mom blessed. She had a husband that walked out. She had kids that had no dad. 
What did the Holy Spirit want? The Holy Spirit wanted to give her a community. The Holy Spirit wanted to give her kids a community. And guess what? It was going to take her being obedient to get there. So sometimes when the Lord is calling you to be wholehearted, calling you to be obedient, calling you to step out in a new realm, it's not to harm you, it's to help you, to get you to the places of victory that he wants for you, for me, for this church, and for everybody else that comes into the doors of this church. Amen? Stand up with me today. Come on.
since walked away and, and, and the Holy Spirit has just been grabbing your heart and grabbing your heart and grabbing your heart. Today's the day. Don't let it pass by. Don't let it go by. Don't let this moment pass by. Don't walk away sad. Come on, let's surrender. If that's you in the house, with every eye closed, I want you just to throw your hand up for me. Throw it up real high for me, okay? just kept laying on my heart. You give extraordinary and you're going to get extraordinary. The Lord is going to start asking some of you to do some extraordinary things and it's going to be a push out of your comfort zone further than you've ever been. And he's just saying, he's just a father that's asking you to do that. It's just the father that's asking you to do that. He's not, he's not this crazy master that wants to like move you like a chess piece. He's a father that's asking you to do that because he wants to get you more. And when your heart is right, when your heart's in the right spot, he's going to say, I'm going to ask you to do some extraordinary things that you're not really going to understand. You're not really going to be able to process, like physically, like humanly process. But if you step out and you do those extraordinary things, 
and you move out in faith like you never have before, you can expect the extraordinary to return to you because he's a father and that's what he does for his kids. So get ready because he's going to start asking you to do some extraordinary things and don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. Just step out into it because that life, that life right there is a good life. It's a really, really good life. So step out in the extraordinary, and he's going to be the extraordinary to you. All right? Come on, let's everybody throw your hands up. We all need this. We all need this. God's asking all of us to be extraordinary. He's not asking a few to be extraordinary. He's asking all of us to be extraordinary. This message isn't for one, it's for all. Come on, let's just open up our hearts. Say, Lord, what is it? Holy Spirit, reveal it to me. How would you desire for me to be extraordinary for you? How would you desire for me to be obedient to you, to your voice? Is it in my marriage? Is it with my children? Is it in my job? What is it, God? Reveal to me what is you and you alone. You are the shepherd and I am the sheep that follows the shepherd. Psalms 23, David said, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want, because he is my shepherd. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the shepherd. We thank you that you are good and faithful and kind and full of mercy and grace. And Father, we release your goodness. We release your grace. We release your strength. But we call, we call into the depths. We call into the deep parts of their soul right now. We thank you that the deep calls into deep. And we thank you that the deep draws the deep out of them. We thank you, God, that you're calling the kingdom out of them. You're calling out sons and daughters that are obedient to the kingdom of God, that are gonna put their hands to the plow, and they're not gonna turn back and look behind them, but they're gonna look forward to the joy that's ahead of them. They're gonna look forward to the kingdom of God that's ahead of them. We're gonna look forward to the day when you come back, Jesus. We're gonna look forward to the people that are gonna follow us to you, Jesus. We're gonna put our hands to the plow, then we're gonna go forward in Jesus' name. So Father, I release your strength. I release your strength. I release your joy. I release purpose. I release vision in Jesus' name. Fill them with vision. Fill them with understanding. I pray, God, when they're in a shower, and they're in a car, and they're at their job, and they're sitting at their desk, that the Holy Spirit would come and fill them with insight. Fill them with wisdom. Fill them with direction. Fill them with clarity that comes from you and you alone. That comes directly from the throne room of heaven, Jesus. We thank you, God. We praise you. 